everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Good day, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. G'day and welcome. Your Tech Life episode 374. Thanks to the great people at Garmin, Satellite Navigation, GPS Systems, Fitness Trackers, Watches, you name it, they've got it. Trend Micro, Internet and Home Security and Alcatel BlackBerry mobile phones. Uh, lots to get through on this show. We're going to talk NBN. What a shock. We're going to talk NBN. But we're going to talk it with Amasim. Now, I've spoken on Aussie Broadband. Amasim is the second company, frankly, I could find that is pushing the NBN in a whole different way. It's trying to talk about the NBN as a positive as opposed to being such a negative Nancy about it like so many people are. So we'll talk to, to Amasim's uh, manager of broadband shortly. Uh, with their NBN plans coming onto the market. We'll also talk internet security with uh, Tim Flinsky from Trend Micro. And we'll, t- we'll just give ourselves a good old reminder about ransomware and what the heck it means and how and why you need to stay protected. A um, bunch of calls to get through as well. Um, we're going to talk dual SIM phones. We're going to talk follow-up from Ben's call last week about the uh, garage door opener. We're going um, to talk about uh, Google Mail and issues you might have sending and receiving there. Uh, and a little bit more NBN uh, with callers as well. All of that ahead here on Your Tech Life. As always, the whole idea of the show is to inform you about the latest in technology, and we can do that by um, taking your calls. If you've got a question about technology, get on the line. Tell me, Ask me what it is. Ask me the question. I'll get you on the show. We'll have a chat, and we'll inform you, and we'll form, inform everyone else that's listening. That's the beautiful thing about sharing your um, your woes, whether they're good or bad. Um, share them with me. I'll share them with everyone, and we'll all learn together. So let's get cracking. Let's get to those emails and reviews right after this. It might sound crazy what I'm about to say. couple of emails um, and this one I really wanted to share with you because it's kind of been going on for a few weeks here on the show. So you remember the email, the caller I had from David who <clears throat> was wondering why the uh, IBC iView and SBS On Demand apps had been removed from uh, Apple TV. I was confused. He was confused. We we're all confused. Um, and now I think he's he's reflecting on that Aren't you, David? <laughs> uh, he says, I was listening to the latest podcast this morning. Read my issue with the iView and Apple TV. I have to concede my memory might be letting me down. However, I still can't connect my Apple TV through any of the apps using AirPlay. And he, as he reminded us in the call, he thinks that's because of iOS 11 beta. Turns out in another follow-up email from David, thank you, mate. The latest beta version of iOS 11 now allows AirPlay on the ABC iView and SBS On Demand and Amazon Prime video app. So all is right with the world down there in Mount Eliza. David, lovely to hear from you, my friend. I'm glad things are working for you again. My memory is good as yours, buddy, so don't stress. 
Um, thank you, of course, for getting in touch. Um, someone who uh, is trying to remain anonymous, love it, called Big Fan, uh, email techie at eftm.com, which is not an email address. Um, this is interesting. I'm not sure if you're aware. I'm, um, I'm letting you know that Latitude MasterCards will offer Apple Pay from as early as August the 14th. Uh, 28 Degrees, Go MasterCard, and a couple of others joining the Apple Pay front. Um, so I assume that Latitude is kind of a, an umbrella uh, organization, kind of like Cuscow, but smaller, that pushes out these MasterCards to different people. So according to my tip, uh, staff have been trained um, uh, through all of this kind of process. And uh, as he says, it's been a long time coming. If you have any follow-up questions, put them up on Twitter, and I will try and answer in another contact form. Oh, I see what you're saying there. I didn't see that. That's very cool. So you're suggesting you can hear me, but I can't hear you. And you have to come through the website contact form. Hashtag Ziggy Zaggy. Love what you do. Thank you, mate. Um, I'd just prefer to know who you are. I mean, I like an anonymous tip, but I like to be able to rely on, I like to be able to go to my sources as well. All sources remain anonymous, mate. Don't you worry about that. All sources remain anonymous. Now, Maggie, um, I didn't get to you today. I'm really sorry. Um, Maggie had a question about NBN um, approved modems. Um, tough question, Maggie. Um, I would uh, obviously recommend a Netgear because they're good uh, supporters of mine. But um, basically, um, if you're getting fiber to the node, you need to look for a VDSL modem. Uh, and if you've got any other technologies, fiber to the home or HFC, um, you can pretty much get any uh, modem uh, that will work on the NBN. But um, Netgear has a good site. If you want to email me, I'll send you the link to their site that tells you all about their uh, then MBN uh, applicable products. Now, a couple of reviews before we get into the show. Appreciate you sticking with me here. Uh, Andrew368 uh, says, best tech podcast in Oz. Thank you, buddy. He says, Trev, I've been listening to your podcast since day one. They are brilliant. You create, hands down, the best technology podcast in Australia. Informative, fun, and well-produced. Well done taking your tech passion full-time. Andrew, means the world to me, mate. means the world to me that you've uh, taken the time to comment. Uh, on iTunes. It means the world to me that you've <clears throat> um, been following me for that long and that you can see that um, I'm loving life uh, going full-time in this game. So really appreciate that, Andrew. Thank you for the review. And Banjo um, says, I've been listening to Your Tech Life since the very beginning. This is hands down the best tech podcast for easy to understand tech support, up-to-date info on the latest in tech gadgets and fantastic, honest reviews on all things technology. Each week, I eagerly wait for it to drop into my podcast feed. I must subscribe podcast five stars again. Benjo, I know who you are, mate, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, and I appreciate anyone who takes the time, a couple of minutes out of your life, to uh, leave a rating slash review on iTunes. It means the world. So feel free to go and do that. But otherwise, just get in touch. All you got to do is go to my website, eftm.com. <music> Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Got a question about technology? Get in touch anytime you like. Uh, Boban, how are you, mate? What can I do for you? Good. Good, yourself? Good, yeah, just inquiring because I'm in dilemma about mobile phones. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to work out which is the best scenario for me to get a dual SIM, uh, Samsung, or just a normal mobile phone. Well, why do you want a dual SIM, mate? Because um, I want... A I would separate the phone from personal life and the, and the work life. Yeah, fair enough. Well, do you know the funny thing is most uh, mobile phones in Australia are not dual SIM because the telcos don't allow it. Um, the telcos, if you're buying through Optus Vodafone or Telstra, they won't allow you to sell a dual SIM because they don't want you having two SIMs. But if you go to JB Hi-Fi um, yep. and buy a phone outright, 
You'll find a few. Um, you probably won't find a Samsung that's dual SIM. Um, I don't think the Sonys are either, but I can tell you what the Motorola definitely is. There's a Motorola okay. dual SIM. Um, I think it might be the G5 Plus has dual SIM. Um, so, I, mate, I, you know, you could buy, a, you could go to Kogan.com and, and buy the Kogan Agora as well. That's 199 bucks. But yeah, what, it depends what quality you want it, want from your phone and your camera, mate. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm into IT digital media and communication technology, so part of it's going out to work premises mm. and to take photos of the work that people do. Yep, yep. As well. And on the other side, because I've got automotive engineering background, I lock my street machines and hot bikes, and sometimes I'll take photos of that and mm. get ideas on how to build them as well. How much are you prepared to spend on the phone, mate? Well, I'm actually prepared to go up to the grand. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you to buy the LG G6. 64 gig, dual SIM handset, black, $899 from JB Hi-Fi. You buy it there, you've got your warranty, you're covered by Australian consumer law. The LG G6 is a beautiful phone, mate, beautiful. Uh, Big screen like the Samsung. Um, It's got a dual camera on it, so it's got a wide screen and a narrow screen uh, camera lens. Mate, yes. it's it's perfect. It is absolutely perfect for what you want, my friend. And you'll sorry, save. Well, and you've just saved a hundred bucks. <laughs> no, sorry. Go on. You just saved a hundred bucks, mate, because it's eight ninety nine. Sweet. Uh, to me, at the moment, it's not the pricing; it's just the quality and uh, how the phone responds as well. Well, let me put That's it to you this way, um, Boban. I would suggest to you that if you go and buy the LG G six from JB Hi-Fi. Um, yep. You will ring me back in a month and tell me that you have never used a phone like it before in your life. Sweet. Done. I'm confident, all right? I believe you. Good luck, mate. Thanks for getting in touch. Uh, no, no, thank you. Good on you. And if you've got a question, all you've got to do is get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com. Tell me what's up. We'll get you on the show. We'll help you out. Thank you for listening, your tech life. If you've got a question about tech, you've got a problem with tech, or you just want to comment on anything you've heard, uh, go to the website, eftm.com. That's the place to go to send me an email, I'll get you on the show, and we'll have a chat. G'day, Darren. Good morning, Trevor. How are you? Good, buddy. What can I do for you? Yeah, look, I, uh, I heard the, um, the call I called in last week on the on the podcast looking for a, an option for a, a garage door opener that you could try and control with your phone. I remember, I think it was Ben, in fact, uh, and I only remember because he's a long-term listener, and so he, he's, his name rings a bell, but... Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? The garage door opener. I mentioned the one that I have, which I don't mind, but uh, it's kind of a bit old school naff, and I've not seen much on the market. What What about you? Yeah, look, um, I caught up with one recently um, that's started being bought into Australia called uh, Go Go Gate. It's their uh, their second generation model. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what it is, it uses your phone, and um, you can open and close your phone from anywhere you are, regardless of whether you're home or away from the house. Um, also comes you can buy uh, sensors that go with it that uh, allow you to see whether the door is up or down. Are those sensors got a long wire on them? No, no. It, the ones that uh, if you go to roll a door, you do require a, a wired version. Uh-huh. But um, if you have a door like a tilt door or an up and over door, then the, the sensor is wireless. It's uh, battery oh, operated, okay. and it's um, I suppose like a little mercury type switch that uh, when the door goes up, it alters its state and, and tells the door opener that the uh, the door is actually open. Right, okay. Um, so are you, are you, have you got one of these or do you distribute them? How are you involved? Yeah, look, I've got both. I, I purchased one to try myself. Yeah. Um, I'm into the home technology. I actually have a, a business here in Perth that um, uh, that does uh, home technologies and installs and things like that. But, mm-hmm. um, I started distributing them in uh, 
or selling them in Western Australia. Um, the distributor is actually, I think, in Queensland somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, I sell them on my website and also locally uh, for anyone that wants them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, they come in around about $170, I think it is, for the um, for the actual unit. Yeah. And then if you want a sensor to go with it, that's an extra 45 Wow, very cool. So it's called Go Go Gate. Go Go Gate, yep. And it'll also do up to three doors with the same remote. So you can, um, say, if you've got uh, two garage doors and a gate, you can control um, all three from the one app and the one controller. And how does it link with your smartphone? Well, what it is actually connects, um, it's, it's a wireless uh, unit, just sits next to your garage door opener. And right. you just use the dry contacts on the back of the door, and yeah. then you just connect it to the, um, to the internet. By your uh, by your router, mm. and um, it'll uh, connect to the web services. You connect your phone to it, and um, you know uh, enable uh, the remote access if you need to. Does it work and on Android and iOS? Uh, it's available on Android and iOS. Yep, oh, and um, basically it doesn't matter. Even if somebody forced your garage door up, you would still get a notification that your door door has gone up. So it doesn't if rely the on the sensor telling you it's up. The sensor actually tells the door or tells the app that. Um, the door's gone up so you can see if somebody's actually forced entry into your garage as well. Wow. What's your website? Uh, my website is uh, autohome.solutions. Autohome.solutions. So, yeah, obviously www. So, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't have to be www. Uh, works beautifully with that. And you sell Arlo's as well. You've got the, uh, mate, you've got my house. You've got the Kivo. You've got Ring. Uh, you've got everything. Ex- I don't have the garage door opener, so if I if I get the garage door open, I've got uh, everything that you sell. <laughs> just just about yeah, I've got some other interesting products coming um, in the pipeline that I'm I'm working with a few guys to bring some some other products to uh, particularly Perth. So yeah, um, yeah, watch watch this space. Wow, very very so, cool. I love it. Well, I'm going to have a look at the uh, wired door. So the wired door sensor, one of them clips to the door, and the other one, and then there's a wire that runs back to the central unit. Is there right? Okay. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, you could actually put the you could put the unit anywhere, and obviously just run a um, a twin wire to your um, to your dry contacts on your garage door opener. Mm-hmm. Generally, with a roller door, um, the actual um, control is on the side where the uh, where the motor is anyway. Yeah, so you yeah. can just put the uh, put the sensor down the bottom of the door and run the wire up the side of the door there and um, plug it into the uh, into the controller, and away you go. Nice work. All right, autohome.solutions, go, go, gate, garage, door open, 170 bucks. I'm assuming, plus delivery. Great little-looking product. I yep. might uh, see if I can get one and have a bit of a play with it. Sounds good, mate. Really appreciate you getting in touch, buddy. No, thank you very much for the call, Trevor. I appreciate it. Thank you, and good luck with the business. Keep in touch, because uh, if you've ever got cool stuff, I want to know about it, mate. <laughs> That's it. I will, uh, I will keep you informed. Don't worry. Good on you, mate. Darren, thanks for your call. And uh, autohome.solutions is Darren's website. We can get that garage uh, door opener that you can control with your smartphone and get notifications wherever you are. Uh, if you've got a, a cool product or you've heard about something or you've been playing with something, get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com. Love to hear about it. Well, there you go. Uh, that garage door opener does exist. I'm going to Maybe not tell the wife, but I'll save up 170 and I'll um, see if I can shell out for one of those garage door openers. Uh, if not, I'll get in touch with the, the uh, distributor, see if we can get one for review and we'll publish a review on the website as well. But it sounds awesome. Thank you, Darren. Uh, we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin, as always. Garmin Satellite Navigation, GPS products, and a product that brings all of that together, all the technology that Garmin knows, is the Phoenix 5. The Phoenix smartwatch is the ultimate smartwatch, really. You know, you've seen smartwatches and you could pay a lot of money for a smartwatch that won't do anything near what the Phoenix 5 can do. This comes in three different sizes, 42, 47, 51 millimeter um, case size. 
um, and they all do an unbelievable job. They're a multi-sport GPS watch for fitness, adventure, and style. So this premium multi-sport GPS watch has their Garmin's Elevate wrist heart rate technology, uh, absolutely fit for adventure with rugged design that features stainless steel bezel buttons and a rear case. Puts all your key stats at your fingertips with a performance widget that shows the effects of your progress of, on your workouts um, and connected features like smart notifications, automatic uploads to Garmin Connect, online fitness community and personalization through free watch faces in the Garmin IQ store. Outdoor sensors include GPS and GLONASS satellite reception, three-axis compass with gyroscope and barometric altimeter. altimeter. Uh, battery life is up to two weeks in smartwatch mode and up to 24 hours in full GPS mode and 60 hours in ultra track battery saving mode. That's when you're going for a long hike and you want to leave cookies and breadcrumbs and then find your way back. You might be out for a while. The Phoenix 5 is a cracking smartwatch. Well worth your consideration. You'll find it for about 800 bucks at leading retailers, but you can check it out at garmin.com.au. Now, one of the amazing things that I've installed in my house in, in the last uh, little while is Google Wi-Fi. Now, read my review of Google Home and you'll realize, oh, I'm not that impressed by it. But when it comes to Google Wi-Fi, which is kind of a product that came out at the exact same time, I think this is the, the, this is the, the sleeper for Google. This thing is 500 bucks for a set of three. Now, if you're going to buy the $200 Google Wi-Fi, you're wasting your time. Why would you buy that when your modem already provides Wi-Fi? That thing's not going to give you Wi-Fi in your home. The Google Wi-Fi system, which is a three, um, three, I guess, device system, they all link together via Wi-Fi themselves, covers your whole home in Wi-Fi. Now, I've installed this, covers my home in Wi-Fi, no doubt. Um, it provides good speed, but I have to say that most of my testing is with a couple of devices, and I think that what I can, what I've been able to establish from a lot of research is that where this thing might let itself down is if you have a massive number of devices, especially older devices on your network, they'll start to slow down because the uh, Google Wi-Fi is using a single network to transport the traffic for both its device-to-device -device communication and also your device-to-the internet communication. So unlike Orbi, which has its own dedicated backhaul network with throughout your home, Google Wi-Fi might get congested. So that's a, that's a negative. It's actually not the best Wi-Fi mesh network you can get, but... For 500 bucks, it's pretty unbelievable what it can do to extend your network. Um, the big thing, so if you were to put them side by side, like a Linksys Velop and Neki Orbi and a Google Wi-Fi, uh, Google Wi-Fi probably comes equal first because of price, but Orbi wins as well, or equal first, because it's actually a more robust network. Now, the funny thing is, all the networking companies, and I, I will say this to Patrick Lowe when I see him next at CES, probably will be the next time. I think he needs to employ, uh, and all the networking companies need to employ, user interface designers. And what you get with the Google Wi-Fi app is an app that controls, sets up your Wi-Fi network, and then controls it. You can go into this app and very simply pick a device that's on your network and give it priority. So all the traffic on your network is prioritized to that device so that if you're streaming... Netflix and all your kids are online as well. You can prioritize your TV. Um, you can also set all the kids' devices to be in a group and you can just pause them all. Just turn them all off the internet during bedtime. You can set it to automatically do that at certain times of the day. There's some really nifty features in there which, frankly, probably exist in many other routers, but they're in this back end, the web, you've got another password, all these different things. It's just hard to get to. This thing makes it easy. 
So very, very impressive product at $500 and selling like hotcakes, according to my sources. So well worth your consideration. I was impressed with it. I gave it a big wrap. Um, head to head, if you can afford the Netgear Orbi, I'd get that every time, hands down. But for the average Joe who's just trying to you know, get rid of those dead spots and enhance their network, I guess, administration, Google Wi-Fi is an unbelievably great product. So uh, consider that. Check it out now. Um, there's, a, there's a really good reason to do that because it is so simple to use. And you know, app control is a pretty smart thing to be thinking about right now because the um, you know, app control for, um, for, for everything is where we live. So we, we kind of need to rely on an app, and, and they've done a very good job to make that possible. Uh, check it out. My full review is now available at uh, EFTM.com. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And we do it thanks to the good people at Alcatel. They've got um, four phones available at uh, Vodafone. Three of them are their brand-new range of smartphones. One of them is a feature phone is what they call them. So you can still get a simple phone with buttons. Um, the Alcatel One Touch, 29 bucks. But let's talk about the, the U3, which is a 4G phone. It's $79. The U5, another 4G phone at $99. And the A3XL, 6-inch smartphone, 4G, big screen, $179. Straight up, one-off purchase. Okay? So these are available at Vodafone, the Alcatel U5, U3, and A3XL. Great smartphones, um, beautiful products, and um, really ready for the, the first or first first phone or first smartphone i think that's their absolute market and a lot of people will stick with them after that because they've got some really cool features built into the camera um they work really easily they're pretty much a stock android they work really beautifully well um they're not the most amazing advanced phones on the market but that's because they're not made for people who want a you know thousand dollar phone these are phones are made for people who want to call text get on the internet use social media and and really just enjoy their day uh, the Alcatel U5, U3, and A3XL available now exclusively uh, outright prepaid at Vodafone. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your tech, tech life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. If you've got a question about technology, whatever it is that's on your mind or a problem with a gadget or something in your tech life, jump on the phone, give us a call on 1-800-157-157 or go to the website eftm.com. Now, antivirus. Internet security, words that we keep saying for a very good reason. People are still being infected, still being attacked, and still falling victim to some of the um, worst threats and simplest threats that are happening out there on the internet. And ransomware is still one of those. And while the big news might have moved away from it because, you know, the, uh, the attacks of a couple of months ago are, are behind us, it's still an everyday problem for many, many Australians, many businesses and people around the world and um, to our go-to on this kind of topic and to give us more information about where we are at with ransomware and the protection we need to have. Tim Falinski from Trend Micro is on the line. G'day, Tim. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Hey, really well. Um, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The, the, the media attention is quite stark when there's a big outbreak of some form of um, you know attack, which is quite reasonable. And there was the, the WannaCry earlier in the year and then... Uh, Petra, I think it was the you know a month or so later, but these things are still happening every single day, aren't they? Yeah, and then we can look at July, and then we have Ripson uh, as an attack, and then we look at August, and there was Snake Locker, and there's there's virtually a major new threat every month. But a stat that we found very interesting that we recently looked up is that from the period of January to June this year, um, our software alone blocked some 1.2 billion ransomware attacks globally. Wow. So, you know, we, we hear about the big ones, but, you know, there's just a lot out there and it's continuous. So just to be clear, 
that stat is your software alone. So uh, essentially, if um, if you put together all of the different antivirus softwares out there in the world, that number could be quite high as a multiple. Uh, it would be a lot bigger than that, yes. And, you know, the, these are different types of ransomware. Not naturally, something like WannaCry, we had to block quite a lot around the world. But, mm. um, you know, I think... You know, we hear the, the the big names and we think that's all there is, but there's just so much of it flying around uh, and keeping on top of it so hard. And, and it is a continuous thing. It's not a one-off thing that hits and then goes away. What's the most common method of infection? Is it the, uh, the link in an email? Is it a malicious website? How are people being infected? Well, we're actually seeing it, I, I think, from both ways, uh, both emails, but, you know, sometimes to get around the security software or some, some levels of, of inbound filtering that you might have on your email account, they're also through the malicious website. So sometimes what you do is you get the email leading you to the malicious website or you just straight out get one of those links in your social media and you click on them. Mm. And, you know, you've, you've got to have that. Um, the thing about ransomware is you've actually got to make it quick. You can receive ransomware via email, but as long as you don't kick on, click on it or activate it, it can't actually execute right. and run on your machine. So it's just that sort of step of, you know, just thinking, even though I've got the email and that, you know, do I need to click on this? Yeah, and I think the interesting thing there, you'll remember back in the day, um, we we were telling people not to open attachments, and it's still a valid thing um, to be wary of, but now um, in the modern world, uh, the cybercrims have worked towards um, just embedding this stuff within emails, within links. So it's not about opening attachment as much as that is still a risk, it could be a link that you click um, that might tell you to go to the Australia Post website or the Australian Federal Police, or it could be something even even more simple than that. It's clicking that link that then takes you to a place that is is going to infect you and and basically in the background install stuff on your computer, isn't it? it very much so. And you know, with the amount of online e-commerce we all do, from our banking to, as you mentioned, getting deliveries from internet shopping and and even seasonal things like we're seeing an increase in that. Uh, annual plague of the uh, tax return, you know, so you'll get a yeah. quote-unquote email from the tax office and please click on this. And they don't do that kind of stuff. And what happens is it just catches those people out. Um, and it's just those little ways because they need you to click. And uh, if you don't click, then, uh, you know, they can't catch you out as easily. Now, what does it look like when you get hit? Um, and I don't mean the end game, which is a big block screen that says you've, you've been hit and pay us the ransom. What does it look like when it happens? Do you know it's happening or... Um, could it be happening suddenly in the background and then suddenly you get the big pop-up message saying you owe us money? You're probably going to see it in two ways. It, it generally does have an impact on system performance okay. because the encryption process itself takes a fair bit of memory and processing power. So you'll see your PC start to act funny and uh, you know you might actually go to a file and find out that you can't get access access to it anymore. So you know what we do recommend to people if they start to see stuff like that and something really weird is happening you shut their pc down immediately you know disconnect and uh, you know take it to an expert who might be able to help out with that but um you know in most cases what will happen is it'll work so subtly in the background that uh, the next thing you know you just won't have access to your files and it'll uh, it'll be like running into a brick wall unfortunately and, and essentially that's the ransom attack here where that's where they say look we've now got your files encrypted um, what you need to do is pay some money. And strangely, they're not, they're not using PayPal. Uh, they're not even using Western Union. They're, they're trying to use Bitcoins and things these days, aren't they? Uh, yeah, and, and they're making the, the price now a lot more... Ex- 
accessible to people. So they're hoping to just get people who want to pay to get, you know, to say, look, I'll just pay you the $300. It'll cost me that much in time and effort to go and see a technician. And by lowering that, they're hoping to get more people. But, you know, the reality is that even if you pay these guys via Bitcoin, they're not going to release it for you. Like mm. the, the big one, WannaCry, everyone saw that Bitcoin account. So anyone who put Bitcoin in, they weren't touching it or using it because they were worried to be caught out by the police who were yeah. tracking it. So, you know, it didn't actually lead to anything for anyone. And, and I guess just reiterating what you just said, don't pay the ransom. Uh, unfortunately, if you've got to the point of having a ransom in front of you, it's all over for your computer. The, the, the data is gone if you don't have some form of backup. But the point is, if you pay them the money, no matter how much it is, there is a 99.9% chance they will not do anything as a result of you paying the money. Very much so. And, and, and here's the other thing we're starting to see with some of the ransomware coming out now as well. That You know, like if, if your PC got encrypted... Um, it's it's your files that you care about. Like you can reload your Microsoft Office, your Windows, your Adobe, all that kind of program software you can reload. But your files, your photos, yeah. your Excel documents, etc., you can't. The ransomware these days now is actually seeking those files out first and encrypting those first. Mm. So therefore, it's actually trying to double catch you out and just being that little bit more tricky to make sure it can catch you out quicker than you can actually stop it doing what it's trying to do. And let's talk now about protection. Um, obviously, there are different levels of antivirus protection, let alone internet security. To be very clear, people with the most basic antivirus will probably not be fully protected from this kind of thing because there are um, the, some vulnerabilities are so fresh and so young that an antivirus doesn't detect them. And if you don't have the protection at your PC level to stop what the, what the encryption is trying to do, you're not going to be protected, are you? Yeah, most of the antivirus out there can't actually uh, stop ransomware quite effectively. Um, you need a level of internet security, and a lot of people who have the, the free security on their computer, that's just at the AV level, and it's not going to protect against ransomware. You need something that's uh, logged into the global network or a global network that's actually blocking these threats down quicker than they can come up because you know there are so many new threats per day and every moment that having something that is always up to date is of critical importance because, you know, the one thing the cyber criminals have figured out is that with ransomware, there's no one standing beside you trying to help you out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you, once you're caught, you know, it, it, it does affect you when you think about all those uh, electronic files that you keep. And, and your point being, and it's a, it's a really important thing for people to remember, you're paying money for the software engineering, but you're also paying money for the ongoing monitoring. So companies like Trend Micro have... Literally, a uh, you know a, a brain's a nerve center where these things are being detected, they're being viewed, and because you have such a large install base of millions and millions of people using your software, you learn very quickly about what's going on on the internet, don't you? Yeah, we 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 we're rated as one of the fastest to stop any new threat that get gets launched uh, globally. We call it a, a form of a network neighborhood. So if someone somewhere in the world uh, has a bit of ransomware and we identify it, we then shut it down across our whole network globally uh, within minutes. And, you know, that just makes sure that we can stop it proliferating and moving throughout all of our customers uh, instantaneously. So it's what we term always up to date. And in, in the world, how it is now and the speed of it moving around, it's very, very important to do that. So when people are looking and comparing internet security software one to another, 
firstly, let's just exclude the free versions because they're not going to offer ransomware protection. Um, what, what do people look for when it comes to uh, ransomware as a, as a risk for them? Because especially a lot of home or small businesses would be very worried about their, their computers and their files. Well, you know, most most bits of internet security these days, especially from the leading companies, have a good level of ransomware protection. You know, they, they do vary. Um, you know, one of the things that we've done, which is market leading and it's something unique, is we've added in something called Folder Shield to our product. So that even if a piece of ransomware gets onto your computer, you're able to protect files in a particular folder and all of its subfolders for having any unauthorized program run on those files. So, therefore, getting a bit of ransomware on your PC, if you've got all your files stored in My Documents, as an example, mm. and you've protected that, it won't actually be able to go and encrypt all those files on you. So, you can still go and, therefore, restore those files mm -hmm. and get your system reset, but you don't lose that information, which, at the end of the day, is all what it's about. It's uh, simple advice. It's important advice. And while I, I admire the fact that people think they can stay strong and stay protected, I use the analogy often that you don't drive around without car insurance. So I don't know why you're um, using a computer with your own personal, valuable, private family um, photos and, and documents without having some form of internet security. Uh, Tim Flinsky from Trend Micro, mate. Good to catch up and uh, a good reminder for everyone. Thanks, Trevor. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your Tech, tech life. life with Trevor Long. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Um, get in touch anytime you like. Just go to the website, EFTM.com. Uh, if you've got a question about technology, problem with technology, doesn't matter what it is. Anything you liked. Uh, and David did that. G'day, David. Uh, G'day, Trevor. How can I help you, mate? What, what's happening? Um, I've got an issue uh, with my Gmail account. Mm -hmm. uh, over the years, I've found that... Uh, um, I've received emails from uh, people addressed to an email address that's very, well, the same as mine, which actually is my email address. Mm -hmm. And my first issue was whether, in fact, it's possible to have somebody else to have the same email address. And my understanding is that's not the case. No, not at all. In most of those instances, in most of those instances, I was able to write to the sender and clarify yeah, they'd, they'd left an, an initial out um, of or a letter out of the, the email address. Yeah, right. So, However, for example, my, my wife has her first name, her last name, and then her middle initial uh, in her email address. Um, and that's, you know, if you, if, the, if you left the middle initial out, um, you, you'd, you'd not get her. So is that what's happening with this uh, random person in your world? Yes, but actually, it's interesting, there's a range of people across the world that have got the same name as me, yeah, so I get them from different places. So that's not an issue. However, the most recent one I had uh, in the last couple of months was a person, uh, I received an email from uh, Subaru America um, addressed to a person by my name mm -hmm. who had bought a Subaru Forester right. from uh, a dealer in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. And I got uh, the, the contract details, the VIN number of the car and all the rest of it. Uh, unfortunately, the email was one of those no-reply ones, so oh, yeah. I had difficulty in in dealing with that one. And in the end, I kept getting emails from Subaru America, from customer service and Starlink, uh, some uh, sort of insurance arrangement with, with Subaru. Mm. And I got on to somebody uh, from customer service and explained the, the situation. And they wrote back and uh, um, they actually said that it was a problem with the Gmail address. Right. Um, 
because, in fact, what they said is that they had received similar messages recently from other people with Gmail addresses and that my email address was not in their records. But what was happening is the email was going to the correct person, which obviously had a slightly different uh, And so the difference address. for them is they've got the same first name, last name, but they're, they're telling Subaru in this instance that there's uh, their first name and last name uh, together uh, are their email address, and because you've got a dot in between your first name and last name, you're still getting those emails. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm not sure whether it's that. That is the. Um, I certainly have a dot between mine. Yes. But I don't know whether, in fact, they don't, or whether, in fact, they've got an initial between my first name and surname. So, so the thing is, um, have you done a test uh, sending a message to yourself without the dot? Because your your email address is your first name dot your last name at gmail.com. Yes. Okay. Now, um, have you done a test to send yourself a message to first name, last name together with no dot? Yes, and it comes to me. Okay. So, really, what we're learning here is that the dot means nothing on Gmail, right? And that, and that was my understanding. Right. And, and essentially, what the confusion for you is, someone out there has given Subaru, and in, in many other cases, the wrong email address. So, it's, uh, uh, it, No, because that person is actually getting the emails, and I'm getting them as well. Really? Yes. You're both getting the emails? Yes. So if I send a message, which I just did, to your first name, last name, email address, without the dot, yes. are you telling me that the other person will get that as well? No, no, their email address is different. It's not related to the dot, it's my belief. I believe it's, they've got an initial in between the first name, last name. Oh, I think They're that's... getting it, but, I, but I'm also getting it as well. I think you're, you're stuck in a situation where it's not actually technically happening. I think someone, um, I think both Subaru and that other person at different times are using the correct email address and at other times are using the wrong email address. No, they're saying they haven't got my email address in their database. No, but remember, your email address without the dot is actually um, in. It does actually work, and so it may be that that email address is in their database. In the end, David, you know what I do? I just stop replying. I don't know why you're going to all the effort to help these other people if they're writing their email address down wrong. <laughs> I don't know why you're helping them, mate. Well, I guess it was just my concern that other people are getting my email emails. No, it's mate. It's just there's just not happening. If it was happening, Google would have a massive problem on their hands. I mean, it would be uh, you know the internet would be up in sensation. It's just not happening, well, mate. Well, that's I mean that's the conclusion I've come to. Except mm. they say they've had this issue before. And they being Subaru email. though, right? They being Subaru. Now, yes. I, I don't want to degrade Subaru, but I think the issue is. They're dealing with this is not their priority. They're just saying, you know, we've had this before, and this is the problem. Thanks very much, and we've tried to sort it out, but it's because of the dots. But I think in this case, it's more than just the dot, right? It's it's someone actually writing down the address wrong at one time, writing it correct at another time. So he is getting some mails and not getting others. Um, mate, uh, that person just needs to get their own email address. <laughs> they need to change their email address. And to be clear. The dots, yeah. the dots don't work on Gmail accounts, um, but if you no, have a paid, if if you have a paid Google account, which I do, you can have dots. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. So I think, David, no. I think what you're doing is far too noble. I think you're far too kind an individual. I think you're doing um, far too much for someone who's simply getting their email address wrong.
that's fair comment. And and, and I, I totally I understand your frustration and concern, but I am I'm prepared to put you know my reputation on the line and say to you, it's it's not your emails are not going somewhere else unless someone else is typing your email wrong. Um, I'm yes. confident no one else is getting your messages, and I'm confident that there's another David in the world with your surname who is simply not writing or clearly articulating enough his email address correctly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, the reassurance I need. And do you know what, mate? I think I think you should stop helping. I think it's lovely. <laughs> but how many hours do you reckon you've put into this Subaru thing for him, mate? Uh probably an hour or two, but, but I've had <laughs> other ones. I've, I've had Send him an invoice. I've been people have booked into uh, into hotels and, and the code to get into a hotel room. Oh Lord. And mm. Send him an invoice, mate. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Good on you, Dave. It's very noble of you. Um, and I'm, I'm very. You know what? I didn't know about the full stop thing until you, you, you got in touch. That's a revelation to me. But in terms of your issue, I don't think you should be worried at all, mate. Okay. Good Thanks on you. Thanks for the call. Thanks for getting in touch. Okay. And yeah, good on you, mate. And if you've got a question like David, and that was a that's a fascinating one. I had no idea. Um, had no idea the full stop in a Gmail address meant absolutely nothing. Uh, test it out for yourself. Put a full stop in between your name or words or letters in your Gmail address and it won't make a rats of difference. Uh, get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Got a question about technology, problem with technology, just want to have a chinwag about technology, happy to help. Go to the website, eftm.com. Send me an email. G'day, Oki. Hi, Trevor. Mate, uh, what can I do for you, buddy? Okay, I subscribed... Um to the NBN through Optus about two years ago. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've got the 25.5 uh, package. What uh, technology do you have to your home again? So I've got fiber to my house. Okay, and you only went for 25.5 as a speed. Yep, that's all you need, I guess? Yes. In the, in the, during the first year, I constantly got like 23 downloads, so mm-hmm. that was good enough. Yep. But... Since the, the last few months, about say seven, eight months, I, I get a maximum of about six to seven uh, megabits down. Really? Six so, to seven? Uh, yes, yeah, so I called Optus and they, yep. gave me a, they gave me two options. I could either unsubscribe mm-hmm. without any penalties or they'll give me three months, $25 discount for the next three months because... They admitted that they have a bandwidth problem in my area. Oh, they said that to you over the phone? Yes. Wow. I actually, and I, I've actually got on black and white as well. Really? So, yeah. Now, my problem is I could, I could go to a different telco now, but what, what is the um, – how do I know that in maybe one year's time, the same thing doesn't happen again. It looks like these telcos get away with murder because they can sell you something now yeah. and then within a year things change and, you know. Well, I, I, I think it's a massive problem. And look, that's the number one reason why I wouldn't go on a contract for a start. Um, I know that means probably spending an extra 10 bucks a month. Um, but, you know, when you're not on a contract, you, you, you can tell them to go stick it, basically. Um, so, look, the, the challenge is you're... You're absolutely spot on. Uh, you can they can be great one day and then awful the next. Um, the 
the the are they monitoring it is the biggest question. Um, you might have heard me talking about Aussie broadband. I've been pretty blown away by the fact that their their commitment is that for each of the 121 points of interconnect, which is basically the the place where they need that that bandwidth, they need that data congestion to be relieved. Um, they're they're going through quite an exhaustive process of uh, getting their own connection in there. They're monitoring it regularly. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's 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 a pretty good commitment. And here's the thing, they've actually published a map on their website of their um, of their network, um, which shows you know how 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 it's been rolled out and where it's been rolled out. You're up in Darwin, are you? Yes, I'm in Darwin. So I can tell you that looking at Aussie Broadband's own published map. They've got their own network to Darwin. Um, they've got a live connection there. So they're ready to service you. And here's the great thing about them. they, Their commitment, Aussie Broadband's commitment, and to be clear, I have no kickback to them. I've just never heard this from an ISP before. Their commitment is if they can't, uh, if their link is at 80% capacity, they will not take on more customers until they've increased their capacity. So... Should do, isn't, it? isn't it what? I mean, it's just not rocket science, is it? And if you've got a problem, you go to their forums, you go to their Facebook, you tell them that, and they'll tell you what they're going to do about the your local exchange or if there's an outage. So, mate, at a very quick glance, looking at Aussie Broadband's network, I'd be signing up tomorrow, and I'd be switching over to them for a, on that, just on a no contract. Um, tell them you, yeah. you found them at, at uh, Whirlpool, and they'll give you, um, I think, first month free or double data or something. Um and mate, I reckon you'll get immediately the right speed. So, so in the answer to your question, there's no guarantee though. In 12 months from now, that they that they haven't, um, let's say, a new boss comes in and says, "I want a higher margin, stop increasing the the bandwidth capacity." Um, that's why I think it's awful to be on a contract. So, my technical question to you is: How do these telcos? How do they increase the bandwidth? What are Optus now has to do, hmm. they say they, they're busy upgrading, but what does that mean? So what happens is, and you know, Darwin's a pretty special case because it's a long way away. Someone needs to roll a, a length of fiber. It's what they call dark fiber. It's backhaul. It's the, it's the biggest capacity. They have to roll it from, you know, Adelaide to Darwin or Sydney to Darwin somewhere. And that yeah. fiber gets, gets sold off to a bunch of people. Now, Aussie Broadband don't have a piece of fiber between Darwin and anywhere else. But what they do has is if, if they've probably they've probably leased a, a space on on a bit of fiber. And what they do is they they have a, an upper capacity of their limit, and then they have a utilized capacity. And every night, if the if the link is bad and they need to upgrade it, they just simply take more of their allocated capacity. My guess, without knowing at all, but my guess is Optus have huge networks around the country. And my guess is Darwin is a place where they've got one big link. But it's simply congested by all of the corporate traffic, the other like it's just taken up by all the other things and NBN customers are not being prioritized. So they they actually need to install a new link to make it happen. Yeah. So mate, okay, well, that's why it happens. Um, no, you can't get a commitment long term, but of all the telcos I've spoken to, um uh, Aussie Broadband seems to be making the the best commitment. Amazim ha- uh, seem to be setting out to do a similar thing, but they don't have the links yet everywhere across the country. So, mate, I'd be switching to Aussie Broadband, and I'd love to hear the same-day speed connection tests, okay? I want to know how it goes. Okay, David. Thank you very much. Good on you, mate, and good luck with your connection, Oki. Thanks for getting in touch. Thanks. Thanks. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good question, and I look forward to hearing back from Oki about whether or not it makes an immediate difference. 
and again, your experience on the NBN is welcome. Just go to the website, EFTM.com. And Trend Micro, uh, mobile security. Tim Falinski, we spoke to you earlier about ransomware. One of the other things you need to consider is comprehensive protection for your Android and iOS devices. Trend Micro mobile security provides data protection and privacy for your digital life, safeguarding against loss, uh, lost devices and data, viruses, spyware and dangerous websites, malicious apps and identity theft on Facebook. With nearly 30 years' experience, Trend Micro is a security software leader, delivering unique cloud protection, safeguarding customers from over 250 million threats a day. So Trend Micro mobile security guards against identity theft and phishing scams, blocks dangerous and fraudulent websites, protects your privacy on Facebook, manages your mobile data usage, protects your device, and optimizes your device performance. A great little product available now. Check it out at Trend Micro. Trend Micro, mobile security. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Your Tech tech life Life with Trevor Long. Well, it's a very regular topic of conversation. In fact, if we, if there was some sort of curved chart being created of NBN as a discussion topic, it would be at hockey stick levels at this point because it's been amplified by media attention, but also the fact that half of Australia can now get access to the NBN. And there's a lot of questions people have. Uh, there's a lot of uh, confusion. Uh, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of choice. And that's, that's new for almost everyone in the country to actually have choice on their broadband provider. So one of the companies that's got into the game, um, having disrupted the mobile market over many years uh, and now hoping to do the same in the NBN market, is Amazim. You'd be familiar with their prepaid uh, phone offers operating on the Optus network. Um, I think they've got a million customers across their brands. They're no one, uh, no one to mess with. If you're, uh, if you think they're not going to disrupt, then you might be just a little bit wrong. And Rob Appel is May Sims director of broadband, and he joins me on the line. G'day, Rob. How are you, mate? I'm good, Trevor. Good to be here, mate. Um, this is a big move for May Sim. Just getting back to the actual launch and, and the start of it, because obviously you've attained a large customer base through mobile, and those customers are obviously looking for value. Um, you're just hoping to expand your offering to each customer as well as obviously grow your unique customer base as well. Yeah, that's right. Look, we're, we're offering additional value and it's all part of a strategy for Amazon to expand out into uh, different verticals and offer its you know, customer base that are looking for a simple solution in different areas, a, a product that is really good value and broadband, as you said, is a really complicated, confusing market and and the exact sort of market that a mason can get into and offer something simpler and better. Now, MBN is a clickbait uh, magnet. Um, people love reading horror stories. Most of the media love writing horror stories. I'm not in that basket. Um, I'm not saying I think the MBN's amazing. I think it could have been different. It could have been better, but we've all got to move on from that and, and forget the politics. You've made some pretty interesting statements over the last little while about the NBN and really trying to put the focus back on the telcos um, to the point where you're saying, you know, things like the NBN can't be blamed for all the bad experiences. Explain that to me. Well, look, I mean, the, the, the NBN project is a huge, complex rollout. And the reason we're doing it is that the industry in the past 20 years really hasn't, you know, delivered a high quality network for all of Australia. So, you know, the country's investing in this network. Uh, we are where we are. Uh, this, is, this is the technology that we have to deal with. Mm. And our view is that they're, they're doing a great job dealing with a pretty complex situation. Now, one of the things that, you know, gets talked about is the technology. Um, and your attitude is spot on, and that's the one I've had. We are where we are, and we've got to deal with it. There's no point trying to change 
um, the way the NBN is delivered now because it's like turning the Titanic. That's just silly. So let's deal with what we've got. How is Amasim um, going about ensuring that its customers get what they pay for? Yeah, look, so that's what it's, it's fundamentally all about is giving the customer the best possible experience that we can in the location uh, that, they, that they are. So we're, we're in the process of building out a national network. Um, we're investing in you know, the latest in software to uh, manage that, that traffic and that routing. And we're going to d- direct to the point wherever we can uh, to give the customer the, the best possible experience in terms of speed, obviously, but also latency, also flexibility around their contract, the ability to go up and down in speed easily, in and out, in and out of contract for that matter. So it's investing in things that give the, the customer more flexibility and a more consistent experience. Now, one of the things that um, that's happened with the MBN and with other telcos, and, and my, my audience, very familiar with my experience with a company called Aussie Broadband. I don't know if you're familiar with them, um, but I had a very refreshing conversation, and that's why I really wanted to talk to you because I hope that it would be the same, and, and it really feels like it is. Your Their commitment to customers was about that network. And so have you seen and, and actually done studies and talked to customers who have had a bad experience with telcos who simply aren't providing enough uh, capacity, enough bandwidth, enough lanes on the freeway, as we call it, to their local area? Because that's really the issue. The big telcos aren't looking at it on a local scale. They're looking at it nationally. Well, yeah, look, they're looking at it nationally, but they're also looking at their business model and seeing that it's under pressure from a new structure. And this is, look, one of the reasons that Amosum's interested in this market is that it's a shift. We're shifting away from mm. a old model where the carriers were able to control the last mile and they were able to maximise their margin out of customers by essentially running monopolies in different areas. Yeah. So we're shifting away from that. The NBN is now the owner of the last mile and it creates a much more level playing field. So we see that as an opportunity to give customers more value and combine it in with different verticals like mobile and energy. Mm. Um, So I think what you're seeing is that the older players are really struggling to shift away from an old model where they've been locking customers into long-term contracts where they've been able to get away with uh, a, a really highly contended service and looking at a situation where there's new entrants into the market who are doing things different, differently mm. and smarter and more efficiently. So and, and I guess mar- that, that is, the, it's about margins, pressure. right? It's about margins for the big telcos who have for years been making a certain amount of money per customer. And now they, they if they want to make that same amount of money per customer, they have to give you a, either a slower speed or um, not inform you that you've got other options. Whereas a new player like you and many others on the market are able to offer essentially a better plan at a at the same rate because you're not expecting the same margin. Is that the, the way to look at it? Yeah. yeah, that's one way to look at it. I mean, fundamentally, they're making a choice between margin and customer experience, right? Mm-hmm. So they're squeezing customer experience to maintain an, the, the, the level of margin that they're used to. What, what's, is there an argument from the big telcos, though, that says, oh, we, we have to make that margin so we can maintain a strong network? Now, I immediately um, rebut that by saying, well, I'm with a small telco and they're doing an amazing job um, and they're mm. clearly not making as much money per customer. It's really, uh, is your business model in the same way that it was for mobile about um, making a smaller margin than the big guys, but having a, a large customer base, which therefore allows you to fund uh, the, your own network and, and the speeds. 
Well, yeah, it is about that, but it's also about being efficient, right? So we, our, our business model is really about being agile, mm. using the latest technology, being efficient about the way that we deal with customers, giving them uh, DIY tools so that they can get what they need quicker. So we, kind of, we know our customer base, we know what they want, and uh, we're delivering that to them in broadband in the same way that we've delivered to them in mobile. So it's exactly the same model. And what are you doing um, in terms of the education process? Because this is the biggest challenge, right? You've got, um, and let's just let's just cut, not cut th- cut through the BS here. The big two telcos who have a huge percentage—I don't even know what it is. You might, but percentage of the Australian broadband fixed network already are basically switching people over. They're just sending them a modem and saying, "Well done, you're on the NBN now, and here's here's your modem," and not not talking to them about speed. And then those customers are being disappointed by speed. So what are you doing to educate customers about their options when it comes to speed plans? So it, it, it's all about setting expectations. Uh, you know, we're, we're always keen on industry standards across the board and being more transparent with customers. Yep. At the moment, the bigger players are definitely confusing customers, and, and, and it's our role to get out there, along with the media, and educate customers about what the different speed tiers mean and what they mean in the context of the technology in that area. So we do our best in the customer journey as they come through our sales process to let them know in advance what they can expect from a particular speed tier and what that means for a typical family and the type of users in that family. So very focused on letting them know up front. When you run into problems, um, as you will always do, it's Mm. a complicated thing, the internet, we're out there as the champion for the customer. So if we find there's an issue, we will chase every rabbit hole until we identify what is causing the problem and get it fixed. Um, if there is no solution, then we've got such a flexible contract that customers can easily uh, adjust their plan to fit what is the actual genuine available speed in their area. Mm, because that's one of the things, right? If you, if, you, if you genuinely can't provide them with a certain speed, you, you shouldn't be selling them uh, a speed above that. Although the conversation I've had with people is, it's funny, um, let's say your line is only, av- only able to deliver you 60 as a, as a top speed. Um, yep. and, and, you know, so you, Mason might say to me, well, so you should sign up to the 50. And I say, no, I want the extra 10. And so the conversation needs to be very clear. So you're prepared to pay for our up to 100 plan, even though you're never going to get to 100 because we've confirmed your line is not capable of that. But I might be willing to pay that extra <laughs> extra money for that extra 10 meg, mightn't I? Yep, and it's it's having that flexibility to do that, and then the flexibility also to drop speeds yep. without penalty, and also the flexibility to say, I don't like this, I want to try my luck, luck elsewhere. Yep. So, you know, it's all about flexibility in contract. Is and there also I, I a real... A real conversation to be had about that flexibility and about the 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 porting, the churning. I mean, I've I've changed telcos once already um, on the NBN. It was simple. It was really easy. Not as not quite as easy as changing mobiles, but still pretty easy. Um, and, and we need people to understand that don't don't be locked in because you can change telcos whenever you like. Essentially, absolutely. It's a, you know there's a lot of scare tactics about there trying to lock people into long term agreements, especially as the NBN rollout comes through. So tactics to say to the customer, NBN's coming, you must take a, a longer-term contract with, with us uh, or you'll lose your service altogether. All these tactics that are out there confusing the customer, customers need to know they don't have to sign those sort of contracts anymore. Rob, what's your view on the, um, the ACMA review um, of the broadband industry? You know, they're going to put um, 
devices in people's home to the ACCC is going to be devices in people's home. There's going to be a bunch of things going on. How can the ACMA and the ACCC have an impact on the customer experience? Well, look, from a Mason's perspective, anything to uh, create more transparency is a good thing. Like, we, we're a big supporter of uh, opening up uh, what is actually going on in the, the industry. We want to see what's going on in each of those CVCs, mm-hmm. and, and that's what customers deserve. You know, they need to know if they're running on a congested CVC, mm-hmm. and that's what we expect that review to deliver. Well, it's um, it's a whole new world, isn't it? And I guess it's it must be exciting in in the business um, for the teams that have been there as long as you know the business has been around. It's it's kind of starting all over again, isn't it? It's a it's a whole new um, you know I call it a land grab. It is. It was it was the same with the mobile. You're you're out there setting putting yourself out there to say we can do better, we can offer better um, with that whole no lock-in contract uh, concept, which is where you've you've benefited for such a long time. Yeah, look, it's a really exciting time to be involved with Amasum. Like We see it as a fundamental shift in the industry and an opportunity to give customers something better. So, yeah, look, we're really excited about what's happening with MBN. All right, Amasum's got plans from 40 bucks a month up to 90 bucks a month. Very simple, uh, easy to read, easy to understand plans. And all you got to do is check your address. You can find out when the NBN's coming to you via the NBN website, and then you can search all the telcos, including Amasim, to find plans to suit you. Rob, uh, great to chat to you. Um, let's keep in touch because uh, you speak in my language, mate. Okay, been a pleasure. Thanks, Trevor. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. That's us. That's a wrap. Check us out on Facebook, yeah, facebook.com forward slash EFTM offline. I've just posted a, a video of a mock-up of the new iPhone, iPhone 8, iPhone Pro, iPhone X, iPhone Edition, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm starting to really, <laughs> starting to really like it. It's just a plastic mock-up, um, but I'm liking the look of the screen. It's it's so big. I don't know. I'm, it's going to be an interesting product. Uh, we don't know when Apple's going to announce it, but if you want to have a look at that video, I've put it on social media at um, at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash eftm online. Would love your views and thoughts. But of course, as always, keen to know what you think also about the show. Go to the um, iTunes store and leave a rating and a review. Jump on Twitter, say good day at eftm or at Trevor Long. Great to chat to you. Great to be with you. I'll be in China next week, New York the week after, Berlin the week after that. I promise to get at least a couple of podcasts out over that time. It must be nice, quick, simple ones that just bring you up to date with what's going on. We'll come back to your calls in mid-September um, before Apple announce their next thing, and then we'll be back to normal after that. Lots going on in the world of tech. Thanks to Garmin, uh, Trend Micro, and Alcatel. Please support those companies that support your tech life. They make it uh, free for you to download. That's the way it works. I'm not sure how I would charge. Frankly, I'm not sure how many of you would charge, would pay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, you know, whatevs. But I'm happy with that. That's why we have sponsors. So support those companies, Garmin, Trend, and Alcatel that support us. And uh, we'll keep banging on here at Your Tech Life. Uh, thanks for listening. Let's do it all again very soon. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your Tech, Tech Life, Life with Trevor Long.